This is Hal Hester, lead pastor of Vine Life, and this is our podcast, The Empowered Word. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on what God is doing in your life. Please enjoy the message. Let me uh, introduce my, our speaker. Uh, I'm going to have uh, somebody come up and share a little testimony here in just a moment. But um, uh, Mark and I have been friends for you know, about 17 years now. I was like doing the math the other day and realized how time flies. Uh, but one of the reasons I love to invite Mark here on a regular basis is, you know, he has ministered all over the globe. Sometimes, you know, many times he's in conferences of, you know, tens and fifteens and 20,000 people in a conference in places. And yet, uh, the, the humility with which he comes to Brooksville, Florida and ministers to a few hundred people uh, just says a whole lot to me about his heart, his desire to see people move in the power of the Spirit, to experience the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so uh, I'm looking forward to, to him sharing with you. He's a humble man of God, uh, which now, right now, he's probably thinking, I wish he'd shut up. Um, and uh, he, he's going to be a great blessing to us. But before he comes up, I'm going to take just a moment. I want to share a testimony from this weekend. Gary, if you go ahead and come on up. And uh, yeah, give him a big hand. Come on up here, Gary. And, uh, and Gary just made a point of stepping over the biggest part of the stage because now you guys know Gary. Gary is, you know, he's, he's not, you know, you know, Mary uh, this week at this location and Martha at another location or something like that, or Jim and then Bob someplace else. You know Gary, uh, and uh, Gary has been going to uh, Joyce, uh, Dr. Hill, uh, chiropractor, uh, to uh, get some freedom of movement. But he's uh, many years ago, decades ago, uh, in the military, served uh, a career military guy and then a, mil a career in the uh, uh, sheriff's department in Tennessee. And, and through all of that, suffered a lot of injuries over the years so that he has been struggling with freedom of movement, like serious struggles. And, and I've watched him as they've been living in their coach on the side of our house while they're waiting for their house uh, that they're, they're hopefully closing on, you know, in a, in a month or so here and uh, excited for them. But, but I've been watching that struggle and then to be able to see what he's going to show you now is just really huge. So, uh, Gary, as I understand it, you've not been able to move your head like you're looking at me right now. Uh, so could you just show everybody, just move your head and neck around a little bit. And, uh, and he couldn't look up without falling over. And now, and then your leg was atrophied. You couldn't hardly, but just kind of shuffle along. Can you show everybody there just a little Outstanding. And yesterday you ran, is that right? Correct. And the last time you ran was? Uh, about 30 years ago. I, I've got it on video, folks. He, he was running around, and so uh, this was just during ministry time, and, and he opened it up. It hadn't, he didn't even pray over those things specifically, but just God was doing some amazing things, touching people's hearts and lives yesterday. And, oh, yeah, that's right. And, and rotator cuffs, couldn't lift his arms up. And now he can, so he like got a, a like you got a new body almost uh, just yeah excellent excellent thank you Gary for sharing with us just what one thing I forgot to mention Hal uh, uh, 49 years ago when my first injury occurred I was hit by a truck and one of the things that I forgot to mention was I have fused vertebra in my neck 
so that was part of the range of motion limited the fused vertebra there was three fused vertebra there and i forgot to mention that wow okay thank you all right I hope that what you heard right there not only is just encouraging for what has happened to Gary, but I'm hoping that that will stir up your faith today as Mark is sharing with us for what God might do for you today. So with that said, I don't want to take up any more of Mark's time. So Mark, why don't you go ahead and come on up and uh, Mark DuPont. Try that again. Good morning. I maintain, you know, I've, I've spent the last uh, 40 years in international ministry traveling all over the globe, many different uh, cultures, ethnic groups, uh, languages, all of that. I use an interpreter in uh, most places, but uh, I maintain there's two types of people in the world, and that division has nothing at all to do with ethnic or cultural background. It has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with whether a person is a night person or a morning person. And I'm a night person and I cannot understand morning people. They, uh, they get up and they've got these energy, you know, that, uh, sometimes because uh, I live in San Diego to get my connections to fly to Europe and Asia, or not Asia, but different places, I've got a, you know, I've got like a five o'clock in the morning flight. And I show up at the airport and these people behind the counter have these big smiles on their face like at five in the morning. I look and say, what's wrong with you? My angels are Italian, and they don't even wake up till they've had a double espresso. But when it comes to church in the morning, God has given us this gift of worship. And, uh, you know, uh, again, I don't know about you, but, you know, we're all, none of us are immune from the stresses and uh, details of life that sometimes we get preoccupied. So... I'm one of those people that sometimes not the first song, not the second song, sometimes not even to the third or the fourth uh, song do I kind of really wake up, you know, and God, so to speak, gets me on his wavelength. And uh, it's such a, a privilege we have of, you know, Paul talked about that we are seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. C.S. Lewis put it this way, that our spirits are soaring in heaven, but our feet are grounded right here on the earth. And the reality is, you know, like that last song or so we sang, that we're here, we're aware of everything, we're aware of the problems, we're aware of the blessings, hopefully, and all of that, but when we worship God, we are joining in with the myriads of angels around the throne of God, and. Uh, you know, you might not like your voice, or more particularly, you might not like the voice of the person next to you, but when we're here worshiping God, or whether you're on your own, you know, we're joining in with a, an eternal song of the, the wonder of Jesus, and it's uh, such a, a, a privilege to be with you worshiping the Lord this morning. All right, I'm just killing time trying to wake up here. Uh, I want to speak to you about 2022 and 2023. And uh, I mean, that's the great question, isn't it? After the last two and a half years, what in the world is going on? What in the world is God up to? First Chronicles chapter 12, I'm not going to ask you to turn to it, but it was a season where the different tribes were sending their men of war to David. 
David had recently become king, and as the new king, he's forming a new army. And uh, some of the tribes are, have just sending their best, their brightest, their most ferocious warriors, their most skilled uh, men, and uh, they're affirming David as king. And that is not unlike an end time, end time scenario with the church where we're getting ready to affirm the kingship of Jesus with his return and everything taking place. And that's about as far as with eschatology I'll go this morning. But it says something unique about one of the 12 tribes that gathered there. It says of the sons of Issachar, the men of Issachar were men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. They had understanding of the times, meaning they had God's perspective of what was going on, not just lost in the confusion or the monotony of the hour and everything. And uh, I minister in a wide variety of churches, many networks, many denominations, and uh, I've just been absolutely astounded over the last two and a half years of how many churches where from the pulpit for the last 30, 40, 50 years, whatever, they've been preaching faith, 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 but all of a sudden this thing called COVID hits and my word, where's the faith? I'm not speaking about your church, I'm speaking about the one down the road a little bit. But God calls us to not be lost in the confusion of the moment, but to walk in the spirit and give his perspective that we might be a people like the sons of Isgar who know the times and seasons. And I wanna to speak to a message the Lord uh, uh, gave me in January of this year pertaining to 2022 and 2023 that I call out of the whirlwinds. Whirlwinds are times of destruction. They're times when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. How many of you remember the movie Twister, you know, 15, 20 years ago? There's that great scene as they're driving, you know, in an SUV or a pickup, and, you know, they, they're trying to drive right into the storm to measure the velocity of the wind and all of that. And as they're getting close, very close to this one Twister, <coughs> a cow was picked up and goes flying right across the road. And a minute later, as they're going further into it, it looks like another cow. And Someone says, look, another cow. And someone says, no, it's the same cow. And that's what it's felt like, I think, for a lot of people during COVID, Christian and non-Christian, is as, again, as the prophet said, everything that can be shaken is being shaken. Uh, I know in my home state, uh, over the last two and a half years, starting about halfway through 2020, but particularly in 2021, uh, alcohol abuse, dramatically increased, drug uh, substance abuse dramatically increased, uh, domestic violence dramatically increased, uh, the rate of suicide, particularly among teenagers, dramatically increased, and the fear factor and the confusion and the uncertainty about what's happening with the economy, what's happening with this pandemic, what's happening with everything else, What's happening with our politicians, which is always the question of the day, permanently. You know, uh, there is so much anxiety. And I love the fact that three different times on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, do not be afraid, do not be anxious. Your Father knows your needs even before you ask. And so the reality is, 
in the midst of the tornadoes and twisters and storms of life, that there is a peace, there is a calm in the midst of that, and that is the peace of the Holy Spirit that stems out of the Father's love for you and I. And so this morning, I want to speak out of everybody's favorite book, the book of Job. A book of loss, a book of devastation, a book of crises, a book of confusion. Sounds like you were right there, huh? Yeah, I appreciate those looks you're giving me. So, the first 37 chapters of Job relate significant loss, and secondly, they relate the so-called counsel of Job's three friends. Job was a very wealthy man. He was a very prestigious man. He was a very powerful man. He had a large family, many sons and daughters, highly respected. And just within a few days' time, he lost everything. All of his wealth, which was in his huge livestock, it was all taken by raiders. His children, his family end up perishing. You know, a windstorm came, a twister, a tornado, and the house they were all gathered in together collapsed, and they all died in that. And then Job came down with this uh, severe sickness of boils, and just his skin, his whole body was in constant pain and misery. And uh, you think it can't get any worse. Yep, it did. His three closest friends in all the world uh, showed up for the purpose of encouraging him, and basically all they did was attack him for 37 chapters. You know, don't you love it when somebody shows up and you're in misery and you think, okay, they're going to pray for me, they're going to encourage me, maybe give me a prophetic word, and they tell you, well, if you had done this differently, you wouldn't be where you're at right now. That's what Job put up with for 37 chapters. But it's interesting that when you read through the Bible, uh, you know, you'd get the sense when everything in your life is really going great, that'd be the place where you'd really have communion with God. That'd be the place where you'd really sense his voice when you can relax. But actually, it's quite the opposite throughout the Bible. It's during the storms in our life. It's during the wilderness in our life. It's during the so-called desert experiences in our life when we feel vulnerable and we feel isolated that God's will and his heart really become apparent to us on a bigger level. We can think of, you know, uh, Jesus in John chapter 12, shortly before he's going to be arrested, beaten, whipped, crucified, but he prayed, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this hour I have come. Father, glorify your name, and then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. In the midst of Jesus stepping in the worst possible physical affliction, the voice of the Father is there. And we think about Genesis chapter 1 when it says the earth was formless and void. In the Hebrew it says there was chaos upon the earth. But in the midst of that, the Spirit of God was there hovering and God spoke and said, let there be light and let there be life. Let there be fruitfulness. And so it remains today in the midst of very confusing situations, the Holy Spirit is always there with us and he's always with the church his hovering presence is there, and he's speaking something very similar to the church today. Let there be life, let there be light, 
and let there be fruitfulness. I'm so glad you're encouraged. Your enthusiasm is coming back to me like a tidal wave right now. Whirlwinds, obviously, are times of confusion. The Hebrew word for uh, whirlwind used in the Bible is sear, and it can be translated as storm or hurricane, tornado. Um, the year before, I do a lot of ministry in uh, Tennessee every year, and uh, those of you who are Florida football fans, I know how much you love Tennessee. But uh, some of you remember a year and a half ago in Tennessee, they had devastating, devastating tornadoes that hit them billions of dollars during damage. But the interesting thing that even though tornadoes, whirlwinds, hurricanes, and, and hey, you've got a storm happening Wednesday morning, don't you? <laughs> you seem so excited. <laughs> it's time to buy those generators. <laughs> I'm, I'm messing with you. So we don't, we don't have uh, tornadoes and twisters in California. We have earthquakes and we have droughts. We're in the middle of a drought right now. But biblically speaking, and we're going to come to this in the meeting, that actually the complete contrary the ways of man, that in the kingdom of God, the whirlwinds of life can actually be times of promotion, times of breakthrough. And so in Job chapter 38, while the whirlwinds, while the storm, so to speak, the pain, the confusion, the grief, the criticism by his three friends was continuing, God began to speak to him. And it's interesting, it's not what you might think, that he didn't say, Oh, feareth not as little sheepeth, I loveth thee dearly. If I did not love thee dearly, I would not tell you that I love you. you know, it wasn't that type of word. The Lord basically rebuked Job. And because Job, with all of his prestige, with all of his wealth, with all the blessings he had from God, inadvertently he'd fallen into the trap of pride. Now, we can say a lot about pride, and you know, we can talk about how it talks about in Proverbs that God hates people with arrogant eyes, and people that disdain other people that maybe they don't have enough money or don't have this or that or have, don't have their level of success. But at the end of the day, pride, the essence of it, can be defined by a lack of dependence upon the person of God. We can go it on our own. We can do it on our own. And even in the body of Christ, you know, people say, well, why did God allow COVID to hit? Why did God allow all the devastation? Well, first of all, I think he did it, he allowed it, he didn't maybe cause it, but he allowed it because he wants the world to wake up to their incredible need for the person of Jesus. But I think in a similar vein, also in the church, that we get used to the blessings, we get used to the status quo. And even, you know, with all the problems we have today, socially, every which way in the United States, you know, it's a land of blessing, you know. If you've ministered in a lot of third world countries, you realize even with all of our problems, it's a place of blessing, it's a place of opportunity. But even in the church, not this church, but the one down the street, we don't mean to, but we make an idolatry, we become idolatrous about things like success. And we begin to define vision of what is God gonna do for me rather than the old song of the Welsh revival, Be Thou My Vision. 
we get lost in the blessings rather than getting lost in the blessor. And so I think God has allowed a shaking to come to the body of Christ. And again, as the prophet said, everything that can be shaken will be shaken because God wants us to be aware of what's really within us. And so, again, two chapters later, towards the end of Job, this is in uh, Job chapter 40, uh, God begins to speak to Job, and it says, The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. In the midst of the chaos, God began to speak to him. And in verses 4 and 5, Job responded to the Lord, and he said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand upon my mouth, and I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice. I will proceed no further. What's happening in Job's life is he's coming to an awakening within his soul that God is the great I am, and he's the great I'm not. And I believe we need such an awakening in the church today that it's not all about us. Jesus did not come merely to ransom us. He came to win a bride for himself. The Father created us for Jesus. We are not an end in and of itself. And there's this whole art, who, as a friend of mine put it, based upon this passage here of Job saying, I make myself small before you, of making ourselves small before God. What does that look like, to make yourself small before God? It means that in our times of prayer, in our times of worship, I'm not just talking about Sunday morning, but Monday morning or wherever you uh, uh, fit uh, devotions and your time alone with the Lord, it's having a growing revelation of the wonder, the majesty, the sovereignty, the beauty, and the power of God Almighty. You know, Paul was called, the Apostle Paul was called the man who shook the world because he was just such a radical revivalist. He was used so powerfully by God in evangelism, healings, and miracles. The greatest theological books of the New Testament were written by Paul. Uh, you know, he was just, it was just insane, the level of anointing and blessings that came out of that man. But Paul said something that makes no sense. You read about in 2 Corinthians 11 and 12. He said, if I'm going to boast, he said, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. That doesn't make sense, does it? Because we think about boasting, we boast about our accomplishments, what we have achieved, what we've earned, what we've won. But Paul said, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses because in my weaknesses, the strength of God is realized. Meaning Paul, he valued, he had a value of the stress in his life because he realized that helped him become more dependent upon the person of God. I believe Paul was speaking about the constant tribulation, the, the persecution of his life. He'd been beaten so many times, he'd been whipped, he'd been stoned, he'd been concussed. Everything he'd gone through in life, it was just a mark of his life. When he was called in the ministry and Ananias prophesied him, the Lord said, tell him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And 2 Corinthians there, it relates that Paul prayed three times 
to let this pass, but God ended up saying, my grace is sufficient for you. And could it be that the most challenging times, the most challenging issues in your life are not just for you to pray, God, get rid of them, but to say, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? What do I need to learn? Because in the midst of that, Paul cried out to God, and then he acknowledged that in my weakness, as I lean into God, the power, the strength of God is realized. And so there's an art that it's not an event, but it's a lifestyle of learning to make ourselves small before God. And in chapter 40, God continues to speak to Job, and it says again, out of the whirlwind. And we read these words, then Job answered the Lord, and he said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purposes of your no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this then that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. For the sake of brevity, you know, we could spend, you know, two hours just on that statement, but relax, I'm not going to do that. But I want to just identify quickly four primary things Job is saying there. First of all, he says, nothing is impossible for you. No purpose can be thwarted. I know, for example, that with COVID, with my, my ministry, um, some 70% of my income is uh, derived from our international traveling, visiting churches, conferences, seminars, church visits. And I was, my last ministry trip of uh, March of, 2000, of 2020, I was in England and flew to Vancouver, and I flew home from Vancouver on March 16th, and as many of you remember, March 19th, everything shut down. All the airports all over the world basically were shut down. It was funny, I was in uh, for five days in this hotel in Vancouver doing this conference there, and uh, everything was just starting to hit, the fear factor was rising up, and uh, my hotel was right across the street from a Costco. Day and night, people were coming out of Costco with these, you know, carts loaded with toilet paper. So what's the first thing we think of in a crisis? Get the toilet paper. But anyway, I got home on March 16th and uh, didn't do any traveling in ministry and still started a little bit in November of 2020. But uh, all of a sudden, 70% of our income uh, that my family's depended on was uh, just gone. But you know, during that time, we saw God do miracle after miracle for us financially. People I had uh, that weren't even members of churches I've ever preached in or had any direct contact with, clear of the blue, uh, unexpected gifts began to come to us. And about six months into this, my, my wife and I, uh, because she does all the uh, bookkeeping for our ministry, she has a background in banking, we're just saying, this is just wild. God is doing, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, far more than we can think or ask. 
And my wife and I have three kids, and um, none of our kids were married. And then last year, 2021 in August, uh, well, in the spring of last year, my daughter and the guy she's dating announced they're going to get married. And we're thinking, this is not good because we don't have a lot of income coming in. And uh, the father of the bride is supposed to be paying the bills here. But, you know, miraculously, God provided. And we had the wedding uh, ceremony in our front yard, and we had the whole backyard set up, uh, catered, and outdoor furniture and all that. We had 90 people. Uh, they flew in from all over the country because my daughter Lote knows a lot of people all over. It was a true super spreader event. It was great. And, uh, but you know, it was an amazing wedding. And uh, many people who came and said it's one of the most enjoyable weddings they've ever been in. And we just saw the things that we thought were impossible, just the provision. And as Job went through this, he came into a revelation that nothing's impossible for God. A number of years ago, um, I was uh, speaking at a church in north of London, England, where I, I go almost every year. And in the Sunday morning service, we were doing like a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. At the end of the Sunday morning, a young woman comes up to me and she said, my mother is in the hospital. She's dying of severe leukemia. Uh, they're trying to give her bone marrow transplant, but they don't think it's going to be successful. They don't expect her to live. And they say, even if the bone marrow transplant is successful, at the most she'll live two years. And she said, I, I can't bring her to the meetings, but she said, and this, this young woman is telling me this, she said, I'm, I'm a new Christian. I've just been saved about a year. She said, I was reading in the book of Acts where people would take a piece of clothing to Paul and he'd pray for it, and then they'd take it to sick for spirit. She said, do you suppose God could still do that today? And I said, yes, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. So at the Sunday night meeting, she brought a scarf of her mother's to the meeting. We laid hands on it and said, Lord, would you fill this with your miracle power? She went straight from that meeting, got there after visiting hours to the hospital, snuck in, and uh, her mother, a uh, good Catholic lady, uh, uh, had plenty of faith for the miraculous. <clears throat> she explains to her what had gone on and said, Mom, can I put this scarf on you and pray for you? They prayed that God would use me to pray for you. And her mom said, yes. And so she spread the scarf out on her mom's body, laid hands there and prayed that God would release his miracle power. Uh, her mom not only dying of um, the leukemia, but she would, had been in severe pain for months and was unable to sleep. That night, she fell into a deep sleep, and this is her testimony. We have her and her daughter giving a video testimony on our website. Her name is Mary Patel. Uh, Mary fell into a deep sleep, and she woke up in the middle of the night wide awake. You know how it is when your phone rings in the middle of the night, you jump up, you think there's a fire or a hurricane or something going on. Uh, she was wide awake, and she had never experienced anything like this. She saw a vision of Jesus standing in the hospital room. She said, I just knew it was Jesus. She said the confusing thing, he was like a doctor wearing hospital scrubs. Well, and I said he is the great physician. And she was so startled and amazed by this, she yelled out Jesus three times, and then the vision lifted, and he was gone. 
she fell back asleep and she woke up in the morning feeling really good. To make a long story short, uh, and I never tell anybody after getting prayer to stop taking medication. I tell people if you have a serious disease, serious medication, and all of a sudden your health changes, go see your doctor immediately. But against the hospital and the doctor's objection, she checked herself out of the hospital five days later. And they had told her she probably would not survive the bone marrow transplant, but even if she did, she would live two years. That was five or six years ago. She is in perfect health today, perfect health. I saw her and her daughter uh, there the last time I was there in 2019 in uh, Harrow, uh, London, England. And the reality is the things that are impossible for us are never difficult for God. Now, I'd be willing to bet that probably most of you sitting here, whether you look like your face is a brick or not, you would agree with that intellectually. But the question is, do we have the revelation of that in our hearts? See, life proceeds from the heart. It's not always what you think, but if what's going on in here, Jesus said, you speak out of and you live out of. The second thing Job realized is the ways and wisdom of God demand that we live by faith in him, not by our own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5 says, lean not to understand, but trust the Lord with all of your heart. During Friday night's ministry, I, I prayed and gave a short prophetic word over a couple here. And it was a phrase um, I've, I've used a couple of times. They felt God told me to pray over them. But the phrase is this. Many of us need to let God put the adventure back in the venture of Christianity. We have gotten so stinking boring reducing uh, God and church into our routines and our programs, and after a while it just becomes a side thing, just a facet of our life. God is the great I am, and he has more for your life than your eyes have seen, your ears have heard, more than you could possibly understand. And we, God wants to awaken us to the majesty, the brilliance of God and his love for us, his love for the lost and the hurting, and to realize that when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, whenever that was, you didn't just get the free fire insurance, but you were called to embark on an adventure of trusting the Lord your God and with all your heart. And even Jesus said, those that are led by the Spirit, it's like the wind. You don't know where the wind has been, you don't know where the wind is going, but you see what's happening. And not always, but sometimes in our lives, there's things God calls us to do. Like when the Lord called my wife and I to move from San Diego in 1992 to Toronto, Canada. It made no sense. We had helped start a church in San Diego that was thriving. We had financial support. Our family was there, a good base for our international ministry. And all of a sudden, you know, over a year and a half period, the Lord called us through a process to go and join the pastoral team of a small church in uh, Toronto, Canada. But a year and a half later, that church had the most amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not exaggerating one bit when I say over the next six years, we had between four and five million people from all over the earth walk through the doors of that church. And it's an adventure God calls us to. But being human beings going all the way back to Adam and Eve, eating the tree of, good, of knowledge of good and evil, we want to be in control. 
But one of the things Job realized, no, God's the one in control, and we need to be dependent upon him. The third thing, we absolutely need to take the time to listen to God. Our prayer life cannot just consist of lifting our needs, or even the needs of others, the church, the state, the nation, whatever. That's such a crucial part, obviously, intercessory prayer, interceding, praying for others. That's of great value. But prayer is called to be a conversation. There's two parts of a conversation. There's both speaking and listening. Having said that, everybody here knows at least one person that they may be an acquaintance, maybe even a casual friend, but you dread getting together with them because for every word you try to say, they say 80. And, you know, you're just, you're just, and then, you know, they're just running all over you. And by the time you finish that cup of coffee, you're just exhausted. Well, I got to go. Gee, look at the time, you know. But somehow I think that's how God feels with our prayer life. We're just, you know, we want to speak and speak and speak about our needs and God do this and God do that. But there's a whole art to waiting and listening. I love what Isaiah said, those who wait upon the Lord, they shall walk and not faint. They shall mount up with the wings of the eagles. The young men may grow weary and faint, but we shall run in the purposes of God. I'm glad you're excited, all three of you. The fourth thing that Job said is he talked about, and he said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I'm not speaking this morning about necessarily seeing a vision of Jesus. I'm not talking about seeing the Lord with these eyes, so to speak, but the eyes and ears of our hearts. You know, there's an old phrase with the body of Christ that our understanding of God greatly exceeds our obedience to God. I'm so glad that's true of the church down the street and not you all. But the problem is we hear message after message. We hear preaching, we hear podcast, live streaming, all of this stuff. And we've got all the thoughts about God, which are good, and theology is important. But Jesus said to the seven churches, each of the seven churches he spoke to in Revelation, let those of ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. And so it's not enough that we just believe in God and believe he wants to bless, but Father, what are you doing? What are you saying? What are you about? God's calling the church day to be like the men of Issachar who knew their times and seasons and knew what they should be about. Ephesians 3.17, Paul prayed for the Christians in Ephesus. They were Christians. They were filled with the Spirit. But he prayed for them that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And could it be as Job is saying, that I repent before you because I've had these thoughts about you, I've heard you with my ear, but now my eye sees you, meaning I'm really coming to grips with who you are. Could it be that God, you know, everybody thinks revival's marked by a lot of people coming to the Lord, and that's usually part of the fruit of revival, but the real sign of revival is repentance. And not even repenting over specific sins, but repenting for taking God for granted for a lack of awareness 
of the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of Christ Jesus. So let's uh, kind of jump to the end here. And I want to talk to you about one final key that's not found in that passage. It's found in the, the last chapter, Job 42. And it reads that the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. That all the wealth he had lost, it was all restored and more besides. He became even wealthier. His health was restored. It's not that he didn't grieve the loss of his family, but he started a new family and had even more sons and daughters. But I want to read to you what that verse actually says. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. Again, I want you to go back to the beginning of the message that Job, he was living in devastation, confusion, living in pain, physical pain, living in grief. And his three closest friends come, supposedly to console and encourage him, but all they did for 37 chapters was criticize him. The key to many of us coming to the breakthroughs God has for us at this point in time is letting go of the ball and chain to the past of people who have hurt us, people have betrayed us, people who have sinned against us, maybe people have lied against us, and blessing them. Like Jesus hanging there on the cross in absolute torment and agony, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. We think about a mature Christian as maybe someone who knows a lot of scripture and can quote it, or someone who prays two or three hours a day, or someone who's always witnessing. But you know what Jesus defined maturity as a Christian? He said, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. It's not the revelation you're walking in. It's not the anointing you carry. It's not the successes God has given you. It's your love for one another. And love, as Jesus modeled it, is characterized by forgiveness. The most famous verse in the Bible, in the world possibly, John 3.16, God so loved that he gave his only forgotten son that whosoever would believe should not perish but have eternal life. So that tells us two basic radical core values of God. He is a giver and he is a forgiver. The sign of a mature Christian is one who not only gives rather than just takes, but forgives. And I believe with my whole heart that we're coming into moves of the Spirit. You can use whatever terms you want, a move, an awakening, a revival, but different churches all across the globe, and I've seen this in visions for the last five years now. The first time I saw this was in a conference in Israel where for four nights and three days we had literally 5,000 Christians gathered together from all over the globe, we had over 1,500 leaders from the underground church in China, just China alone with us for those uh, four nights and uh, three days, five nights and three days, I think it was. But there are moves of the Spirit coming, and God never does the same thing twice. It's going to look different from church to church. But 
the basic core of the moves the Spirit is coming is two things. An awakening of our hearts to God, specifically Jesus, an awakening to his beauty, his majesty, his authority, and God's sovereignty over the nations that no purpose of his can be thwarted. But secondly, an awakening to the heart of God. That just as Jesus said to disciples, freely, freely you've received, so freely, freely live and give and care and forgive, we're called to do the same. Are you still alive? Let's all stand. Bobby, if you're there, could you come up or the keyboard player? Somebody with a ukulele or a banjo or somebody. We just need a little bit of mood music to take us up. But while someone's maybe on their way, um, I'd like to ask you all, um, uh, you know, we're running short on time. I probably spoke a little bit too long. But I want to just cut to the chase here. I want to pray this morning for two groups of people. Uh, first of all, and this is not to condemn or embarrass anybody, all of us, myself included, were on a lifelong journey of unlearning the ways of the world and learning the ways of Christ. So there's nobody that has it together except for Jesus. But there's some of us here, and you know who you are, that you're still living carrying judgment, anger, and bitterness towards people who have hurt you in the past. If you haven't been hurt in the past, you're an infant. You're probably two or three days old. We've all been hurt, we've all been betrayed, we've all suffered rejection, and sometimes, as Jesus said, and the Psalm said of Jesus, someone who he shared his bread with, someone that was very close to him. But a mercy we don't give is a mercy we don't get. Jesus said, if you don't forgive those who have sinned against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your sins. And there's some of us, we are not free to move forward in the will of God for our lives because of hanging on to anger and bitterness. In Hebrews it says, avoid the bitter root of judgment by which many are defiled. Many churches are poisoned because there's so many people carrying anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. And again, this is not to embarrass anybody. We're, we all go through this. But in a moment, when I give the invitation, if you know you need to deal with God, as they used to say, deal business with God and let low, go of that to the point where you can bless those people who have hurt you, I'm going to ask you to come up on your left side, my right side. But if... Uh, uh, the second group I want to pray for, and again, this is not to embarrass anybody, but there's some people here, you really don't have a sense of vision for the future. You really don't have a sense of excitement. And you think, well, this is just where I'm at, and, you know, I have a faith I'm going to be blessed till I go to heaven, you know, but this is just kind of it. 1 Corinthians 2.9. God has more for you than your eyes have seen, more than your ears have heard, more than you can imagine for those that love him. Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Give glory to the one who can do far more. Say far more. Come on, play along here. Say far more. Far more. 
subject. Give glory to the one who can do far more than you can think or ask according to his power, his spirit that works through you. So I'm going to give the, the, just open this up right here, and we're just going to pray a few, a moment or so, and then we're going to uh, close out. But if you know you have anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, you're hang, that you're entrapped by the past, you're not free to move in the future, I want you to ask you to come up on this side here. But if you are lacking vision, a lack of excitement, a lack of faith in God for your future, God wants to put the adventure back in the venture of Christianity for you. If that's you, come up to your right-hand side. So don't just stand there looking at me like, uh, you know, <coughs> let's, let's do business with God today. And by the way, I've got nowhere to go. I'm stuck here. I've got to be at the second service, so I'm just going to wait till I see some people up here because I know, I know there's a number of people here. You're entrapped by bitterness and anger, unforgiveness to the past. So I'm just going to wait a few moments. Maybe it's a former spouse who betrayed your love and rejected you. Maybe it was a father or mother who was entirely absent or abused you. Maybe a former business partner, maybe in a former church, maybe there was a Christian leader who was abusive and toxic in how he treated you and other people, but you're still hooked by that. Maybe it's a sister or brother. Maybe it was someone as Jesus a friend that you shared your life with that betrayed a confidence of yours. I'm just going to wait another moment because I, I know in my heart of hearts there's some more people that you need to come forward and deal business, do business with God. I'm just going to wait a moment. I feel provoked by the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to provoke you. Why is it that there's only ladies standing up here? I'm going to wait another moment because I know there's some men here that you need to get up here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. 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 Let's do this. Uh, everybody who came up, just close your eyes and hold your hands out to the Lord. And could I ask everybody else who did not come up, even those of you who should have come up but didn't come up, would you stretch a hand of blessing to these men and women who are standing up here right now? And Father... Um, I want to ask everybody to pray out loud, whether you, you came forward or you didn't come forward. You, would you pray out loud after me right now? Father God, I want my heart to be a resting place for your glory. I don't want to have you to have to compete with things like anger, bitterness, jealousy. 
So I choose today to repent. I let go of the judgments, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness that I've been carrying towards these certain people. I ask forgiveness for being bitter towards them and right where they're at today, I ask that you would bless them and in that they may have sinned against me, would you forgive them and bless their life and would you fill my heart right now with your peace that passes all understanding and would you release in a new way a revelation of your Father's love for me? Would you fill me now, Holy Spirit? And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for these men and women standing here that they don't have a sense of excitement, vision, or purpose for the next season ahead of them. And Father, just as you spoke to Job, and you brought him out of the whirlwinds and out of the confusion, out of the devastation. I ask in the name of Jesus, would you begin to speak to their heart of hearts the next few weeks and months? I ask that you would open doors for them that no one can shut. Some of them in their careers, some of them in relationships, some of them father in ministry. I bless the gifts and talents you've put within them in the name of Jesus. And I ask for open doors for those gifts and talents, even open uh, talents they don't even know they have right now. Lord, I proclaim over their lives, 1 Corinthians 2.9, you have more for them than their eyes have seen. You have more for them than their ears have heard. You have even more for them than they can possibly understand. I just bless them and ask Lord God, not only for them, but for the, this entire church, Vine Life Church of Brookville. Lord, I pray that in an amazing way, you would put the adventure back in the venture of walking with you. I just wanna close with a very uh, quick, short, prophetic word. Um, this couple standing over here, are you two together? Are you you're married? Okay, just join a hand. You look like you're married, but I, I just didn't want to make any assumptions. I feel like, you know, um, this whole message, but especially about uh, putting the adventure back in the ventures for you two. And I want to encourage the two of you over the next maybe two weeks, uh, if you can, find time in the morning to pray together out of 1 Corinthians 2.9. Because I feel like there's a real stirring and a real waking up for you two of being able to see, so to speak, with the eyes of your heart and see with faith that there's gonna be opportunity after opportunity for you guys in the future. And I don't know if you're in, uh, I'm not into water sports, I surfed when I grew up, but I don't know whether you're into boating or fishing, something like that, but I feel like the Lord would say to you, you feel like you're landlocked right now, but actually, the Lord has you walking on a beach with them, and there's a pier right there with a boat tied to that pier, and he's gonna take you on some unexpected journeys, and it's gonna, it's gonna be good for you. Does that make sense to you? Okay, okay.
What a sweet time this morning. I, uh, I hope next time Mark is in town that you will uh, make sure to take time to be with us. I hope that you've been blessed this morning and just sensed, you know, that God was speaking to you this morning. Did, I, I felt like he was speaking to me. If he wasn't speaking to you, um, you might want to go back and listen again. I think he was speaking to you. And uh, I'm just grateful to have Mark here this morning. Well, let's, uh, let's close out with prayer, and then um, uh, we will, uh, if you go get kids and all that kind of good stuff, there's the book table out in the lobby if you'd like to get some of his teachings. Uh, otherwise, uh, look forward to uh, seeing you again next week, Lord willing, as we, uh, I, I pray the Lord bless you through hurricane week. And may it be a time of rest and refreshment and not fear. Amen? We're Floridians. We're Floridians. We do this all the time. Okay. Father God, we thank you for your kindness and mercy. We thank you for what you've done this morning in our midst, your, the way that you have uh, just touched hearts and lives. Uh, we pray that in the midst of breaking off things that uh, have restrained us from experiencing what you want to do in our lives, uh, and, and the opening of our arms and hands, our, our hearts to what you're doing for the future. I pray that uh, this, we would see uh, continued fruit from this in the many weeks and months and years to come. Thank you, Father, for your kindness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you did, there's two things you could do for me. First, subscribe to our channel. That way, the most recent podcast will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted you, would you help us to continue to reach others by clicking on the link in the description to give now. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to The Empowered Word.